Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello and welcome to Home Education Matters and today it is another of our bite-sized chunks with Joe Moorcroft and Joe Moorcroft is a dog behaviorist and has studied dog psychology and we are going to be looking at how dog behaviorism collides with parenting in the best ways so what can we learn from dog behaviorism and dog psychology that also can be applied nicely to building your relationship with your home ed child and generally parenting because parenting and parenting from a home ed perspective obviously you know they're exactly the same kind of approach it's just when you home ed you your parenting never stops because you can't send your child off to school or don't send your child off to school so today we're going to be talking about the importance of play now i did a fabulous podcast with naomi fisher and she is very um very much she's a clinical psychologist and works uh, in the home ed community because she obviously is a home educator and works outside the home ed community as well and she is massive on the importance of play and particularly on the importance of play as your children get older because it's something that often we find play we consider play to be super important when our child is maybe early years or possibly even key stage one. But once they get to about age nine, I think a lot of parents think that children shouldn't be playing so much, or maybe, you know, it's a lesser priority. Come on, let's do your schoolwork or let's do your lessons or let's do this, let's do that. And play becomes a little bit relegated. And as a parent of teenagers, I can tell you that I still prioritize play massively in our household and still think that it's very important. And I know that also as a parent of a puppy, that play is vital. In actual fact, the training that I do with my puppy is completely play-based. And um, for, for about three months when I got her, I didn't take her for any walks. I just played with her. So I played with her in the house. I played with her in the garden. Then I played with her out on the fields and out on the paths. And my training with her was super play-based. And it was all about building up relationship and just building up her kind of slightly dyspraxic approach to her own body because she's a very big dog. So for anyone who hasn't tuned in for our previous podcast with Joe, Joe, please tell us in two. No, okay, I'm going to challenge you now because the last one was two sentences. So yes, that's right. I want you to tell us in one sentence a little bit about yourself, and then tell us about the importance of play when it comes to dog behaviorism and parenting. In fact, yeah, lovely. So hi everyone, I'm Joe, and I am a dog behaviorist. Also going down the home education route with my two young boys who are two and soon to be four. Well so, done. One sentence. Oh no, Congratulations. So yeah, actually what you were were saying there was really interesting because focusing on play in early childhood and then it kind of dwindling out as the children grow older is exactly what I see in the dog world. Everyone tends to go really hard at it for puppy and then kind of once puppy starts to lose its puppy looks around that six to eight month mark everything dwindles off and they're in this really strict routine of just and this is a massive generalization but typically walk of the morning come back sleep have a bit of food possibly a walk midday or not possibly a walk of an evening that's about it that's pretty much what generalizing majority of dogs lives like and I think it's very similar for children as well it kind of dies out after the young age but the 
the importance of play goes well into adulthood, well into both both in dogs and in in humans. And if anything, I I really stress the importance of it with <clears throat> oh, excuse me, froggy my throat. <clears throat> I really stress the importance of it with with my dog families as they've got older dogs and and you know my dogs kind of fall into that category now as sad as it makes me me feel because they're still my puppies but they're seven and nine and if I don't keep their brains engaged in everything it would be very easy for them to fall into that that category I mentioned a moment ago of just they we end up existing together and we're not really doing anything um so yeah that 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 play bit is just so it's so important to keep them young to keep their mind active and you might actually get a few extra years out of your dog if you keep playing with them because it keeps them young and fresh so yeah it's super important when uh, I know when I when my puppy was about a year and a half I took her to the beach and I left my daughter up on the sand dunes sort of thinking about the contemplating the existence of the universe or whatever teenagers think about, um, which I'm pretty sure that's what they think about, actually. <laughs> and um, and when I and I was out on the beach and there were lots of other people with dogs on the beach, but it wasn't particularly busy. It's a big beach. But I went back and we walked a long way, my myself and my dog, but I could always see my daughter in the distance on the sand dunes. And when I went back, my daughter said, you know, I always know which one is you because you're the only one interacting with the dog. Everyone else is just throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. And she said, you're always like talking to the dog or playing games with the dog or running around with the dog. I, honestly, I look like a total nutter because I'm constantly playing games with the dog when I'm out and about because otherwise I, I find it kind of boring. I, I find I find it unenjoyable. And it's a little bit the same with parenting. I know that um, sometimes when I tell people I home educate, particularly when the children were younger, I would often get the response, well, you you must get really bored. You must find that like really boring. You must get really bored and just like sitting at home with them. And I always say, and I, I've always said, and I always continue to say, if you're bored, you're doing it wrong <laughs> because there's never a reason to be bored when you're at home with your children because they're a constant source of of difference. I wouldn't say entertainment, but there's always something different. They're always bringing something different, just like every human and every interaction with every human and actually every dog as well brings something different all the time because it's another sentient being, as you say, bringing something else to the table. And my children, and I did a lot of play when they were younger. And then what happened was as they got to six or seven, they started playing together and I just kind of backed out of the play and then watch them play. And I I was perfectly happy with that because, you know, that was that was a dynamic that worked very well for us. And even now, I found that as they got to their teens, they play occasionally with me when it's board games or things like that. And actually, sometimes we do imaginary play together. They play with each other, but also they play on their own. So they play computer games and things like that. And, you know, when you're talking about um adults and uh, how it's important all the way through to adulthood that you play it occurred to me that i remember when ipads i'm so old i remember when ipads came out and and they had and and game yeah and like games on phones and people were playing games and it was a new thing it wasn't something that we had really done before and if you look now at how people interact with their phones apart from social media people are on xboxes playing games i'm talking adults here xboxes playing games um they're on like candy crush they're, they're basically playing games because it's part of our human nature isn't it to want to play games and children are no different to adults they they want to engage with the world in a playful way 
Yeah, exactly that. And it's it, it's keeping that mind fresh again. And it, it actually fires up parts of the brain that allows you to have that that creativity. I think we are all naturally, well, probably not even naturally, very unnaturally, it's it's stripped out of us to go, well, that's not, not what you do anymore. You need to sit down and you need to do this. And for me, that's one of, you know, it's it's one of the factors that's made me choose to go down the the home ed route because I love watching my boys play and you know I've I've I've, I've never I never grew up with boys I've got a sister and so having boys was a whole big like whoa what's going on here and I you know I've, I've done a lot of research into the boy psychology and boys brains and very into Maggie Dent at the moment really liking her stuff on boys um and again it's all it's all this play stuff and seeing how much it it can naturally just translate into everyday life and it gives you those skills and that's you know you you mentioned earlier that you were doing loads of game-based stuff with with your dog and that's exactly it because you can layer up skills through fun it doesn't have to be sit there do this march around it's like no you can you can have all of these basic obedience stuff from the dog point of view through games and it's it's much more enjoyable and then that kind of ties in with our previous podcast on relationship because everything interlinks beautifully by topping up your your credit in that account to go let's let's do something let's have fun um and enjoy each other's company that's true and there's no doubt that play encourages bonding with your dog with your children with your husband <laughs> with your mother i mean it you know it just does right but you know this is why um you know there's that sort of tradition of people play charades at christmas and things like that because it's a bonding thing it's a nice sort of fun bonding thing and i think one thing you said there was really important which is that my puppy learned a lot through playing games. As I say, we didn't really do training as such. We trained through games. So I taught her to walk on one side. I taught her to, taught her to walk on the other. I taught her middle, which is hilarious because I'm quite short and she's a very large dog. But even now she adores middle. She like loves it and it's her safe space. But she learned the skill of going into middle, which is when they go in between your legs. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when sometimes if we encounter a small dog that comes running towards us and the owner doesn't think they should bother calling it back because my dog is massive and their dog is small and my dog does not like that and so I bring her into a middle and she's now then safe in a middle and I'm able to get my hand on her harness in case she wants to go and say hello to the the little dog which of course would then get lots of tutting from everyone else around us. So she learned the skill of being in middle through play. And it's exactly the same, I think, with children. My children have learned so many skills, not just life skills, although that's not to be sniffed at, things like um, collaboration, communication skills, things like that. But they've actually learned, like, in inverted commas, educational skills. Maths is a classic. We have a lot of maths games. We've done a lot of maths learning through games. Um, We've actually, we used to play a dice game where... Like all children, they were slightly reticent to write. I mean, all children go through that stage when they're about five or six, six or seven, maybe. They just don't like putting pen to paper anymore. It's like something they seem to stop liking. And so we would get a 12-sided dice, which I think is from Dungeons and Dragons, which is another podcast I've done, which is a classic example of how gaming continues all the way through our lives. But um, we would get a 12-sided dice, we would throw it, and if you got a three, you would have to write three words down of the story. Then the next person would throw, they would have to write whatever number words came up for them. 
Mm. And so you get this idea a little bit like, do you remember you used to have, you'd draw a pic, like a start, like a somebody's head, and then you'd fold it over and they'd have to draw okay. the middle. And, and you end up with like a weird looking creature. It's a bit like that with writing. So it's it's a very good game and it gets them, you wouldn't be amazed how much they write in the space of half an hour by not realizing they're writing and they're enjoying it. And that is exactly what I mean by play-based learning. There is so much learning to be had when it comes to playing. And it's such a shame, I think, that we don't incorporate it more as the children get older. And of course, in schools, um, you know, they actually have designated playtime, which seems insane to me that it's like, ding, ding, now it's playtime, ding, ding, now you're not allowed to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, I don't know, I, I try and cast my uh, my brain back to school days and yeah, that, that playground was such a, it's a strange place. <laughs> you kind of- Stressful, right? Stressful. All of these different social groups and- for me, I don't think anybody prepares you for the skills you need to, to cope in school. It's very much academic focus. And again, it's my own personal opinion. Um, I don't know if I mentioned before, but my sister's actually a secondary school teacher. So we are polar opposites when it comes to our parenting styles. Um, but yeah, for me, I've, I always look at the um, the skills that are needed. And I want to do that through we, we do it through play. So my boys, for the ages they are, like I say, they're two and soon to be four. So technically he's still three. The, the play I see them have, okay, yeah, they have their squabbles. Well, that, that's to be expected. But percentage-wise, I, I think that's still pretty small. Um, and I will look to it kind of like we mentioned on, on the last one. It's I can see the underlying root cause of it, whether it's tiredness or over-excitement or whatever it may be. There's an, there's an underlying emotion that causes the spillover. But for the most part, they play beautifully together. And for me, I, I try to guide them through the skills that I'm seeing them use so that when, because they're both in um, like a forest school education provider, which I'm very fortunate to have because they also offer flexi schooling, which is going mm-hmm. to be a lifesaver for me in my own business. <laughs> um, but when adults start to point out things like oh you know you you're not listening or they're they're saying that these children are either missing skills or they're they're saying this our children will be aware of they're being talked about but if we're not talking to them about those skills then for me that's where I think it's really important to go yeah actually we need to label what what you're doing really well at to fit into society and I know that's a whole other conversation of you know you're technically I don't know, arguably you could be going, oh, well, you're leading them into behaving a certain way and yada, yada. But realistically, we all have to abide by certain societal things. You know, there's manners to a degree. And I don't mean like your please and thank yous. It's just how to engage with society. So things like sharing, I don't force my children to share. But if I see them do it, I'll be like, that is awesome sharing. Like that, that's what you've done. (laughs) I haven't told you to do it but I'll label it and go that that's what that is. Um, if they've listened really well, I'll go like awesome listening, like well done. So get those things on the side of your head, their ears. That's what you've just used to listen to me with. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, and things like, you know, but you're, you're putting those communication skills in and you explain them. So I like to take my boys out to, to coffee shops and stuff like that. So we're just, you know, I can grab a coffee. We can sit there um just soak up what's going on but you need those skills of actually right we need to sit still for a little bit we need to learn to wait um if anything actually we went on our first um abroad holiday a couple of weeks ago 
And I approached it like I would do a training plan for a dog. So about mm -hmm. nine months prior to that, we used to go up to the airport and we would do regular visits to the airport and we would increase the duration and the experience whilst we were there each time. So they got used to the environment. They got used to seeing what the, I mean, there's only so far you can go in in the airport without your boarding pass and everything, but you could go in and see where all the luggage and the queues were and all of that. And we spent a lot of time just going up and down and giving them the skill going there, but we were doing it through play. It was, it was an exciting adventure day out. Um, we took their friends up and they were playing whilst watching the planes go off. And then we kept talking about and creating situations through play um to give them the skill to learn to wait and have patience because there's a lot of waiting around in an airport <laughs> and sitting still on a plane so by talking about it and identifying all of those skills I, that holiday couldn't have gone any better i was so proud of them that i think the majority of other parents you know they have that struggle with the children going like ah! it's like half term as well so you know your typical environment and I was so lucky well not even lucky I put the I put the work in <laughs> um that we sat there and we were prepared we had snacks we had all this stuff and we was like right what skills do we need to cope at the airport boys and Claire my eldest would go waiting we need to learn to wait and I was like yes well done and what skills have we used here and we're able to label them and and get through and for me I just think it's it's something we need to be helping our children with a lot more than, in my personal opinion, focusing on some of the academic stuff. Because that can come. Education's there for life. I'm, I'm doing a degree now. Um, I didn't do it in the normal trajectory. But I'm doing it now because it's, it's lifelong and it's amazing and I love studying. I just don't think it's needed in the school setting for as it is, which is why we're all listening to this lovely home ed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> These kind of strict parameters that, that are put on learning where this is where you learn, this is when you learn, and it's so artificial, isn't it? And I think what you were saying there about exposing your children to the airport, as a as a kind of world schooler or somebody that world schooled for years, I am really impressed that you put that effort in. I just hauled my two, <laughs> get your ass on the plane kind of thing. Um, but I think what you're saying there... Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you really, you really were going there, weren't you? But I think one thing that, I, that I'm getting from that is that the effort that you put in when it comes to parenting is the reward that you get out. And, um, you know, you said there that you were lucky and then you kind of, you know, sort of rephrase that and recognize that actually it was your effort that you put in. A lot of people compliment me on my children and a lot of people was uh, when they, before they became teenagers. When they're teenagers, nobody compliments you anymore. But when they were younger and they were very well behaved, I would get lots of compliments. And I I would often say, oh, you know, oh, thanks. Yeah, you know, they have their bad days or, oh, it's not always like this. And then I stopped myself doing that because I realized that actually I was really denigrating the effort that I put in. And I would actually say, oh, thanks. We worked very hard on this or thanks. I put a lot of effort in. And because I, it does take effort. And I think it, the more we kind of um, chalk up the good times to luck, um, it means that we're not we're not allowing that feedback loop. It's like we're stopping that feedback, that, that positive feedback loop. And we're sort of putting in luck and we're taking out our input. And I think it's very important that we keep that link. So we know, look, this is my input and this is 
this is what I get. And on a complete aside, it did amuse me that you're taking your children to coffee shops because I, um, I've been doing that with my puppy for the last year and a half that I've had her. Every time I go to a coffee shop, I take her with me. And my children think I'm mad, but I'm like, no, I'm taking her with me. And they're like, what does she get from it? I'm like, she gets lots of new experiences and she learns she needs to sit down while I have my cup of coffee. And now she is impeccably behaved wherever we are. She knows that, oh, okay, we're sitting down. She's going to drink out of this big white thing and like look very happy. And I'm just going to lie at her feet and wait for, wait for, to get thrown the odd dry sprat. And we're both happy. She's learned the rules, just like your children have learned the rules of coffee shops. And I think uh, we're drifting off play. However, and I do think that when it comes to learning, you can make it enjoyable. And it's OK. Sometimes we think well, if it's enjoyable, it's not really education or it's not really learning. Yeah, it really is. And it's worth remembering that when you're doing your L.A. reports and stuff, because it all counts. It all counts as education. God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in um, a town centre the weekend. They were doing like a little jazz festival. And there are a lot of children similar age to mine with the, um, you know, like the walking reins on. So for all intents and purpose, they've got a lead on their child. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally haven't gone down that route, but we've done games with them. So I had my niece with me as well, who's only three months younger than, than Clay. So, you know, two, three-year-olds and a two-year-old. <laughs> and they're all walking around off lead and <laughs> doing it as a game. So if they got too far, it's like, red light up and they're like hee 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 and they start and they loved it and then um we'd got on this bus and linking it back in with what I was just saying about labeling those skills we then got off the bus and I could just see everybody looking at me going oh my goodness me she's got like the double buggy she's got three very young children how on earth is she going to cope in this very busy jazz festival and I corralled the children into like a little group and I was like right what skill do you need to, to use now? Because I'm going to talk to you. And they all pointed to their ears and went, listening. I was like, brilliant. Right, so now what we're going to do is we're going to have a lovely little game and we're going to try and navigate through all of this stuff. But I need you to use that listening skill so that when I say stop or red light, you stop. And we did a few practice runs and then they were just having a whale of a time, but it meant we could go through, they could be, air quote, off lead. <laughs> it's great. It's all about that that relationship but through play um but it's important skills as well because it enabled you not to lose any children <laughs> you know that they didn't run into the road and things like that and they learned that through play without even realizing that they were learning really important skills and i think that is that is something that is that is so vital and that transfers so nicely actually from dog behaviorism to parenting oh, it's one of those um So another skill in play, which I use a lot with dogs is proximity. And I think you would have used a lot of proximity because I know who you've been training with. (laughs) Uh, Because I'm actually one of their trainers as well. Um, We can name them. It's okay. Okay. Well, yeah. So I'm one of the the pro dog trainers through the Absolute Dogs um, module. And yeah, so all of that is very much games-based. And the proximity side of it. So for me in my day-to-day work with dogs I don't typically teach a recall because I look at it from a relationship point of view and go well if I've got a really good relationship then my dog's not going to want to wander too far from me and I genuinely believe that's the same with the children as well which is why I've never had to panic that they're off lead (laughs) because the relationship's there we've put lots of play in they constantly want to be hearing what what I'm saying um 
so yeah so from that that dog point of view on a on a recall which is the equivalent of walking through a busy town center with with your young children off off lead <laughs> it's if you've got that relationship and you've done it through topping that up with play because that's the best way then you don't have to worry about the come here get back here regardless whether that's child or dog because they're not going to wander very far anyway yeah you're 100 percent right and and in actual fact i have done lots of proximity work with my hound and to be fair she is a one you know a kind of velcro dog so she does like to be close but for example we have a very large garden at the moment and it's not fenced off or anything now i'm i'm in here right now with you recording the podcast she's outside in the garden i don't think she's going to run off we got cows we got rabbits she's not going to run off because she wants to be close and when i go out i call her name she comes straight away because she wants to be close and it's exactly the same with my children in actual fact i don't know if any of our listeners have heard of the continuum concept which is a book that was written in the 70s, I think, which is um, has a lot of very, very interesting parenting ideas, particularly for very young children. But one of them is the idea that if you keep your child close, it enables them to feel secure enough to go away, if you see what I mean. And a lot of people, I think when they start home educating, they think, oh, you know, it's a bit suffocating for the child. And like, it's not good for children to have all their time with their parent. And actually, it's the opposite of that. You're allowing them the space and freedom to be away from you by having them close to you so that they always know they can be close to you. And particularly for a child who's been traumatized at school or has had a difficult experience at school, it's a very healing thing to be able to spend time with your parent in that way. And then to know that you're you're safe and you're a safe to be able to then go off at a distance. Okay, so we've we've uh, looked at play and we're going to be, both Joe and I are going to be giving you our top tip on using play when it comes to parenting. But I just wanted to let our listeners know of some of the little bite-sized podcasts that Joe and I have got coming up. We have got one on using manners and etiquette and whether that is something that's important and how you would integrate that if you wanted to, because I know we you mentioned that a little bit earlier in the podcast. You, we also are going to be recording one on conformity and rebellion in parenting and in dog behavior. Oh, yes, Joe's pulling in. Mm, that's going to be a good one, Face. It is going to be a good one because I think you and I may come at it from different perspectives, so that could be quite fun. And then we're also going to do one on positive reinforcement, which is a massive thing thing in the dog world but where does it where does it lie in the parenting world I wonder let's let's talk about that in another podcast and then we're also going to do a podcast on listening and a podcast on patience and how that does or doesn't fit into parenting and how that relates to the dog behavior world but that is coming up in our upcoming chunks chunky bite size see I still can't get that I still can't decide what I'm calling it chunky bite size we're going to go for for some reason chunky reminds me of the there was an advert for something I have no idea I think it was a chocolate bar that went hunky chunky almonds do you remember it I do yeah but I can't remember what chocolate bar it's for but I'm sure but anyone listening please come on our Facebook group and tell me what that advert was for because it really annoys me and just that one line has stuck with me for the last 30 years and I have no idea what chocolate bar it was it was probably like a marathon which is now no longer called a marathon but it's called a Snickers but it's probably that hunky chunky almonds I feel like they've got almonds in anyway I'm drifting so top tips for incorporating play into parenting or why it's important I'm going to go for um play-based learning so this is something like there are if you if you get your ducks in a row you can 
get certain play-based activities that you can then repeat and cycle day after day after day. So it takes a bit of planning to begin with, but it takes it makes your home ed journey so much easier. For example, we had a game, a board game, where you had to, you had to answer a question, and it was like if you get this question right, you have to go like six places along the board and then you would land on the board and it'd be like go back three go on two skip a turn those kind of things but the questions I would make up so the good thing about that game was that it was perfect for all ages so when they were very little the questions might be what is two plus three and then if they they flipped it over if they got the answer right then it had a little number at the top and they would go forward that number of spaces but when they got older it was things like you know, the the equation for photosynthesis. And you can really adapt it. So once you'd made the board, uh, which I made from like hobby craft stuff, we took it around the world with us for years because it was a really useful play-based game. And the same thing with 12-sided dice is a great investment because once you've got your 12-sided dice, you can use it for maths, you can use it for English, you can use it for, for anything that, um, children love dice. <laughs> they just love throwing dice. So anything at all, um, you can incorporate that into your learning journey. So that would be my top tip is um, plan play-based games that you can incorporate into your learning for the next few years. Take it, Joe. hit me with your top tip. Mine is a little less organized than that. <laughs> Mine is incorporate it into everyday life. So don't, for me, I, I, I can't do big planning things like that I could put too much pressure on myself and then I'm like oh we haven't took done your children to an airport for like a year in preparation for your holiday don't yeah, tell me I you can't plan can plan it in as such I'm going like okay <laughs> hey, we're going to do this and I need to do some prep work and I don't know maybe all the creative stuff really puts me off because I'm so not creative um, <laughs> like an arts and crafts thing so for me I do the, the same as I do with the dogs I do with the kids I just incorporate it into every day so like if I'm making a cup of tea I love cup of tea training. I'll be like, right, dogs, I've counted some treats out for you and I'm going to do stuff with you. I'll get the kids involved. I'm like, kids, how many treats have we got here? One, two, and we just count. I'm like, so there's a little bit of math. Um, things like help me put the tea bag in the cup. What have we done? Labeling the skills, like I say, as we go through, but just incorporating it into your everyday so you don't feel that you are having to do anything additional and I think we I can't remember which podcast we've mentioned it on now but there's definitely been one where we've said the more you do it the more natural it feels and you'll you'll just naturally start to to do it as we as you just go through life like I love car learning we'll just listen to something or we'll see something and then it sparks off a conversation uh, he saw a dead badger the other day and then we went on a whole wildlife conversation and he wanted to talk about badgers and now he wants to go and see badgers. So we're looking at going camping at a badger set. <laughs> um, but all that stuff, like to me, that's that's everyday learning. And it's something that for me is, is easier than building a, a hobby craft game because I can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> that is so home ed that you see a dead badger and now you've got a whole project based on badgers. I love that. And actually the podcast that Joe was referring to there was the importance of relationship where we were talking about how the more you do something, the more it becomes your sort of natural default as a parent. And I think what you said there about the importance of labeling the skills you're learning when they're playing is really important, not just for the child, but for you as a parent, particularly as a home ed parent, because it can, ena it can enable you to see 
oh, we learned this today. These these are the things we did today. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes you get well-meaning family and friends who are like, home ed, what do you even do? Like, oh, homeschooling, that sounds like a dot. Or what do you like, do you actually learn anything? And you could be like, well, actually, yes, we did this, this and this today. Because you've labeled the skills when you're playing, you're more aware of them. And it also helps realistically when you're doing reports for the LA because you you then have an awareness of, of the skills that you've been teaching your children through play or more importantly that they've been learning sort of naturally through through play well thank you so much joe it has been a very interesting podcast on play this has been quite a big bite-sized chunk because i think this was nearer 25 minutes so we'll have to we'll have to see what our next one is what do you fancy doing next for our next podcast joe I can't remember what was on your list. They all sounded amazing. <laughs> Shall we go for manners and etiquette and then conformity and rebellion? Because I feel like they're like feisty ones. Shall we go yeah, for those? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go for that. Okay, so stay tuned for our next bite-sized chunk of <laughs> home education, parenting meets dog behaviorism. And thank you, Joe, for coming on the podcast today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.